Hello there, and welcome to Citizen ATX Podcast. My name is Matt Gillum. I'm here today with Jonathan Spencer. Hello, Jonathan. Hello, Dr. Gillum. How are you? I'm good. I am good. And we also have joining us in our new series, ATX Neighbors, the Dr. Jimmy yes. Myers. Hello, Jimmy. How are you doing? You know, when you started talking, you dropped into this FM DJ. <laughs> that, that's that's his podcast voice. That's right. You're getting to learn. That's my other, podcast voice. Some Very people, nice. that's the only voice they know. Maybe I, that's all they know. I'm waiting for the, the uh, local high school to ask me to come start calling their football games. Yes. You know? Of course, it would sound like cool jazz as we're, <laughs> as we're running to the 20-yard line. Well, listeners, thank you for joining us today. We are so glad to have Jimmy on with us. Um, we've had we've known Jimmy for several years here at the church, and in fact, for a time here at Austin Baptist Church, he was an interim uh, pre, interim, interim pastor, interim preacher, preacher, you know, the guy who made everybody mad, pretty much, yes. you know that. Yes. <laughs> and, and also, uh, just as far as some career things, he was the long-time a youth minister at Hyde Park Baptist mm-hmm. Church here in Austin, and then has been the uh, lead of the Timothy Center here in Austin for se- the past how many years now, Jimmy? Is Twenty-one. That? Twenty-one years, man. Yeah. That's that's fantastic. Um, I, I think I was what I, I might have been like twelve years old whenever you started <laughs> yes. doing that. So there, there you go. <laughs> Let that let that sink in there. Um, but today we wanted to talk with Jimmy through um, as we've been talking about the, this series of ATX neighbors. We want to we wanted to bring in people who were experts in their field. You know, Jimmy, there you go. You're there an expert you in the field, man. That's it. Um, but talk about influences and things happening in our community that people ought to know about, and to be able to to walk in this secular and heavenly city at the same time wiser and uh, with information about things that are happening. And so, Jimmy, just first, why don't you tell us a little bit about kind of your journey? Because I know starting out, what what was your, your journey into ministry in the first place and into youth ministry specifically? Became a believer at 15. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it, it, back in, in a small town in West Texas, Cisco, and um, you, we only had summer youth guys mm-hmm. that would come in from Hardin Simmons or whatever. The cool guys. Come yes. In, yeah. <laughs> and yet, you know, they had such a profound impact mm-hmm. on me. It was like, okay, I want to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's pretty much where I headed. Mm-hmm. And so what, what was it that they did that was so impactful for you being in that, that position of ministry, and especially with it only being on such short-term bases when you were a teenager? Just their investment, mm-hmm. knowing who you are, mm-hmm. uh, caring what you have to say. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember I went over. He, uh, one of the church members would always let the summer youth guy live in the apartment above the casket room of <laughs> at the, the funeral home. Yeah, the funeral home. <laughs> And so I had Lively this, <laughs> I had this narrow escape mm-hmm. with a young lady. Okay, that really upset me. I started crying. Which, uh-huh. by the way, picking up women—that's not <laughs> not at a funeral home. <laughs> yeah, or it's it? not. <laughs> and so I went immediately to go see him and to ask, you know, just go, man, this happened, and mm-hmm. whoo, I just, you know, how I got there, and mm-hmm. and he, <laughs> he said, you know, well, I gosh, I um. I really only just uh, uh, kissed a girl this past this past summer. So <laughs> <laughs> sit down. We need to talk. Well, the dude, yeah, yeah, and the dude who's living above the mortuary—that's not yeah. a, not exactly a, uh, a lively conversation uh, there. And I, <laughs> well, so with with uh, your journey into ministry, what brought you into uh, like uh, after you graduated from Cisco America High mm-hmm. School? Uh, where did where where did your path take you from there? Um, well, I originally started because I'd, I'd been offered a 
an acting scholarship to UT. Mm. And then Baylor, I think, offered me $25 more. <laughs> and so Again, I went, and a Dr. Pepper, right? Yeah. And so <laughs> went to Baylor on, of all things, an acting scholarship. Mm-hmm. And um, left there pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. My dad was disabled. He was going to try to make another business go. Mm-hmm. And so left school, re- Baylor really, after just one semester. Mm-hmm. And came back to help him do that. Continued schooling at the junior college there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then went to Howard Payne okay. uh, to graduate from there. And the thought was, at that point, I was going to go into communications. That's when the radio television, mm-hmm. is that still even going? Yeah. yeah. Is it? Yeah. Wait, the radio and TV commission, you mean? Like for the Baptist? Yes. Oh, yeah. No, it doesn't exist. Oh, it doesn't? Oh, I'm wrong. <laughs> okay. I'm oh, wrong. it's long gone. <laughs> but it was to be, really, I was kind of in training to be a um, uh, communications guy, a TV okay. guy in a, in a large church. Okay. Um, and got offered um, after I graduated and was working at, at Southwestern mm-hmm. on that degree, uh-huh. got a call from First Baptist Colleen. Okay. Hey, would you like to come be our youth and young adults? And are, I said, well, man, yes, let me pray about it. Yes. Are they the Colleen K- Kangaroos? Is that right? Am I, am I right about that? Colleen. Are yeah, there's Ellison. Ellison. Yeah, there's several now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Everything changes, man. Yes, it does. Well, so then you, you went to Killeen, you served in youth ministry there. And so how long, all told, across the different youth ministries that you were a part of, how long were you in student ministry? To include, like, you know, when you're going to school, you know, little uh-huh. churches and stuff, um, it was a total of just over 20. But uh-huh. it was it was like 18 mm-hmm. in those two churches, okay. which was Wow, that's that's crazy unique. amazing yeah. for a youth guy mm-hmm. that yeah. my children were not drug all over the place. <laughs> um, and so and in both places, pretty much, you know, left loving them and mm-hmm. them loving us as much as when we left as when we got there. Yeah. And and so I'm not one of those guys really that, you know, look back and boy, how ministry scarred me and my <laughs> family and mm-hmm. It was just wonderful. Well, and it's that's unique too, considering that you uh, your experience in high school was of these guys who were here for a mm-hmm. couple months and then gone. Yep. Then for you to be able to yeah. spend your career that way. Mm-hmm. So then, uh, flash forward to what was this? 1994, 1995. Uh, when, when did you, when did you uh, leave Hyde Park Baptist Church to start the Timothy oh one oh one two thousand one? I got to Hyde Park in ninety three. Gosh, that's been like twenty years ago. I can't yep. believe it. Twenty anyway. Yep. Um, so. Talk, talk to us about that. What, how did God start moving in your heart to move you from specifically youth ministry and ministry inside the church to uh, Timothy Center counseling? Yeah, I remember um, uh, uh, Coach Royal, because you know, he retired like at 52 or mm-hmm. some really young age, and he said, uh, I've enjoyed every minute that I've been retired, <laughs> and I loved every minute mm-hmm. that I coached. Uh-huh. And that was kind of the deal. Mm-hmm. And I think God prepares your heart for a major shift like mm-hmm. that. Um, and Beth and I were just sitting sitting at a Starbucks having a what do you want to do in 10 years talk. And mm-hmm. you'd have to know us to know we just don't have those talks. <laughs> and... I don't know. You know, I could be a preacher, but probably bankrupt the place in about six months. I'd, I'd love to do like music, any good, like any good youth minister would, right? <laughs> you know, can't read music, so that yeah, you know, I can't. Uh, you know, I don't understand spreadsheets, so executive pastors out. Um, and she's well, if you could do anything, I think I'd open up a, a Christian counseling center 
focusing on adolescents and their family. We'll call it the Timothy Center after First Timothy 4.12. Mm-hmm. And just... Blah, 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 blah. And there it was. <laughs> wow. And within a week or so, one of our good friends and our 11th grade directors, um, mm-hmm. Stephen Roxanne Martin, Steve said, mm-hmm. hey, w- what do you need? Mm-hmm. And said, what? Wow. <laughs> and, and so just, just laid out the finances to, mm-hmm. to be able to, to make it happen. Hmm. Wow. And so from that start there in 2001, um, what, how, ha, how has the Timothy Center developed out? Like, I mean, roster of counselors, yeah. uh, scope of ministry. Well, for the first 14, 15 years, it was just like pretty much every other Christian counseling. It's kind of a mom and pop, mm-hmm. three or four therapists. Um, they just keep a percentage Mm-hmm. of what they charge. Mm-hmm. And I would have probably done that until I just fell out of the chair. Mm-hmm. But bringing on a a young whippersnapper <laughs> like my son, <laughs> who was not prepared to sit in a chair until he fell over, mm-hmm. um, he said, well, what about this? And what about that? And what about this? And what about that? Mm-hmm. And we got together and he kind of, him taking the lead, but we, we developed this plan to get joint commission certified, which basically is the same Seton, St. David's, they're all mm-hmm. joint commission certified. So okay. we got uh, commissioned um, as a facility yeah. as opposed to just independent operators. Mm-hmm. And that enabled us then to take insurance. Mm-hmm. Um, and from that, um, We've grown in the past four years mm-hmm. from four of us seeing about 70 a week to 30 therapists seeing about four, 450 a week. Wow. Um, and Josh, basically, he doesn't even see anyone. He's just all administrative. He's now the man behind the curtain, right? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the great Oz. Um, but he just loves that. Uh-huh. Um, and I, it just triggers my gag reflex. Uh, numbers <laughs> just, uh, oh my gosh. Well, that's a lot of teenage angst going, going wow. flowing well, in and through the door. Pretty quickly, we developed out of, you know, it, but still we mm-hmm. became known as the um, as the place in town for youth, yeah, yeah, and that stuck. Even though, gosh, we do everything there is. Um, three, three years ago, uh, we started uh, our sexual addiction recovery program, and we have now five CSATs, which okay. are certified sexual addiction therapy. So we have the largest sexual addiction treatment program in mm. Central Texas. Wow, mm. <clears throat> it's just kind of an addendum to that. About mm. three years ago, we started. Um, offering psychiatric services, faith-based mm-hmm. psychiatric services. Yeah, and inpatient type stuff too, right? Uh, our IOP. Yeah. Um, uh, and, and, and in some ways, we're an IOP first. If someone has insurance mm-hmm. and, and it's not going to hurt them financially, mm-hmm. you know, uh, offering this intensive outpatient program is absolutely the best mm-hmm. bang for your buck because you're mm-hmm. getting six months worth of therapy in you know, six weeks. Sounds a lot like a uh, church camp to me, Jonathan. Right? <laughs> you, can't, you can't take the youth pastor out of him. I'm sorry. Yeah. Exactly. We call him doctor yeah, now, but exactly. he still has his tendencies. Well, this, exactly. this intensive outpatient therapy, why, why is there gross out food competitions as a part of this? And <laughs> Well, Jimmy, uh, before we take a break here, because we, we wanted to take this first segment to talk a little bit about biography and so the listeners can get to know you mm-hmm. a little bit. But with this expansion of therapy and moving into the world of insurance and into uh, kind of just more of a bigger operation, do you feel like, uh, how has that changed? Has it changed y'all's mission at all, or has it uh, given y'all new goals, new horizons? To well, shoot for? new goals and new horizons. Mm-hmm. 
we're forever. Uh, people came to us because we're faith based. Mm-hmm. Now people come to us because we're on uh, Blue Cross's mm-hmm. insurance list, mm-hmm. and so we're getting a lot of non-believers mm-hmm. that are coming in who normally never would have done that. Mm. Um, and so to be at a place where we're sort of hauling water to the desert as opposed to the sea, mm-hmm. uh, it's been a it's been this wonderful, wonderful thing. Mm-hmm. As a youth man, I laugh with people. I, as a youth minister on Wednesday night, you know, that's your big, that's your big thing. Mm-hmm. You know, that's probably what changed mm-hmm. Jonathan, your life. Yep. Um, and disclaimer, Jimmy was Jonathan's youth minister <laughs> when he was in high school. So. I know. <laughs> We're not going to try to make this about that, but Jimmy knows very stupid Jonathan as well. So uh, maybe I'm what ran you out of youth ministry. I don't, I don't know. Maybe that would have been an influence yeah, I'm now that yeah, I'm thinking about yeah. it. That's Spencer yeah, kid. I know. I know. <laughs> Sorry, but you but I used to I used to laugh saying, okay, you know, our goal on Wednesday night is if a kid comes in here and leaves and says, well, that didn't suck. <laughs> yeah. Nailed it. Okay. <laughs> you crushed it. <laughs> we're, yeah. we're, and if a non-believer can come in and say, that's not what I thought a believer was. Mm-hmm. And that certainly didn't seem like a hate-mongering, phobic mm-hmm. person. Mm-hmm. Um, then we've hit it out of the park. Mm-hmm. So it's really opened doors for us that didn't necessarily really exist prior. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ah, that's awesome, man. Well, so here in this next segment, we're going to start talking about into uh, we're going to start talking about modern context, different issues that you're seeing developing, uh, and also ways and strategies that believers can work in their lives from what you've learned through uh, th- the therapy and counseling mm-hmm. ministry. So hang in there, listeners. We'll be right back here on the on ATX Neighbors on the Citizen ATX podcast. Welcome back to the Citizen ATX podcast, as we are here talking with the Dr. Jimmy Myers. Yep. I did want to put in a shameless plug here for Jimmy. Uh, you may not know this, but uh, Jimmy co-wrote a book with George Barna a few years ago called Fearless Parenting, How to Raise Faithful Kids in a Secular Culture. And I will give my personal statement on it, that it was a very good book and very much worth your time. And as I'm looking at it on Amazon right now, Jimmy, there's only one left in stock. Whoa, Prime. So hurry. We're about to have a rush <laughs> on the bank here because of this podcast. But so let's let's jump into the idea of uh, what what's actually happening in our culture, society, in our city now. And so Jimmy, first question that I'd have, um, what are some of the issues facing teenagers and families in our city and what would you say the, are those biggest issues that we need to be aware of? Like if you if you're if you're holding your proverbial finger to the proverbial pulse of mm-hmm. Austin, um, what are the biggest issues that you see facing families in our city? Um, just right now, I would probably jump on the pandemic bandwagon. Mm-hmm. Um, Masked, of course. You don't want to get on yes. that bandwagon. You know that. <laughs> <laughs> and and to that point that the the schooling at home uh, the wearing of masks the isolation the 
uh, has done enormous damage okay. to to kids um, and to their social development. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there was an influx, not an influx, there was a, an increase of teenage loneliness and depression starting back in the late 2000s. Mm-hmm. And you tended to see this because that is when high-speed internet mm-hmm. became pretty you know, uh, widespread. Mm-hmm. And so the social media platforms just caught fire uh, you know, around 2010 and along that, those lines. And so you saw that, that, you know, when studies were done, loneliness and depression among adolescents, you know, really took a noticeable Mm -hmm. jump. And that's only of course gotten worse, Mm -hmm. uh, with the isolation that has come with schooling at home online, uh, and, and those type of those type of things, mm-hmm. where um, they're they're experiencing um, if 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 just social media kind of got loneliness and depression ramped up, then mm-hmm. the the pandemic has just thrown gasoline, mm-hmm. you know, on that fire, and so devices uh, have been used in a wonderful way. A lot of people, you know, their jobs just converted. The Timothy Center. Mm-hmm. When this thing first hit, you know, we went from 100 percent, you know, 400 appointments, IOPs, groups, all of it in person, to within like six days, boom, all of that was online, mm-hmm. which you couldn't have done. Mm-hmm. And there's no, uh, there's no PTSD that from that at all, is there? <laughs> <laughs> and so you don't want to just poo-poo on all technology because mm-hmm. it's been uh, churches were able to. Mm-hmm maintain contact yeah um so it's but the downside is is there's very much a downside and it mm-hmm. has really increased kids um social and emotional isolation mm-hmm. and we're seeing those numbers of depression suicide mm-hmm. going up and and again prior to the late 2000s that had been 20 years of of slowly decreasing mm-hmm. you know those negative numbers with kids yeah and so what, what kind of uh, amplification are y'all seeing? Because, uh, I mean, you made this statement that, um, that, what, that what social media and devices began, the pandemic, through the gasoline on the fire. So what are, what are some symptoms that you're seeing in the community of, of this? Like when you, if you, when you have people walking in your door, what are yeah. some of the signs that you're seeing? Well, if, if your listeners, and if they have any kids at all, if, if they have not watched Social Dilemma, Mm-hmm. It was an, on Netflix mm-hmm. several months ago. But they are interviewing the people who worked for Facebook, who you know worked for uh, Microsoft. Mm-hmm. Uh, when all of this was being... The guy who came up with the little red dot mm-hmm. that you've got to text or you've got to... For the iPhone. Yeah. Um, he said, who knew that there would be a day <laughs> that that would be something that would be so craved. Mm. Um, yeah. You know, and the guys who, you know, have they developed the likes, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Instagram and just all these things. Yeah. Uh, people don't know, but these guys talk directly to the point that these things were specifically designed to be addictive. Mm-hmm. Specific. They were intentionally and what, designed that way. What is it that causes that addiction for, for, us, lay, for us laymen? Every time you get a, um, a like, 
you get a, a pop of dopamine in your head, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, your brain likes that. Yeah. And so wants more. And then when you don't get it, so if, mm-hmm. um, you know, there's a, what's called, we talk about it actually in the book, uh, so, you know, social media enmeshment. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we know that no man is an island, mm-hmm. but we now know that no man is Grand Central Station <laughs> because now we've got social yeah. interaction 24 mm-hmm. 7. Uh, if a kid was bullied at school, he's now bullied 24 yeah. 7 mm-hmm. around the globe. Mm-hmm. And so uh, a lot of the, the, the psychological and emotional issues with adolescence just got exacerbated with mm-hmm. this. Yeah. And parents are just trying to keep their nose above water. Mm-hmm. So if the kid's on a device and just out of their hair, sweet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Which has led to this. Yeah. Grades have gone down. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, kids, are, kids are underneath... Um, an emotional and a psychological and a relational pressure Mm -hmm. that I don't think any generation has ever experienced before. So the the great side of this technology is great, Mm -hmm. but there is absolutely a downside. And the problem with the downside is that it's very um, insidious. It's Mm -hmm. subliminal. Yeah. You don't see it. Yeah, it's not like it's not like Jimmy's going back. Not Jimmy. That's uh, that's my my uh, normal anonymous name. Let's go with uh, it's a coincidence. Let's go with Garfield. Yes. Yeah, yes. Garfield. Little, little, little Garf. It's not like little Garfield's going out behind <laughs> the gym and rolling up a doobie or <laughs> hiding the Playboy under mm-hmm. the mattress anymore. It's it's all there on. Yeah. Well, on and the it's phone. so easy, I, I think, to justify it for parents and, and myself included. I've mm-hmm. got three, uh, so I've got almost ten. She'll turn ten in a few weeks, but ten, eight, and five, and mm-hmm. so. It's amazing to me how, you know, 10-year-olds, obviously my, my fourth grader, she's got peers that all have iPhones. She mm-hmm. doesn't. Um, my second grader, they all play online. Like, he's got buddies all online playing mm-hmm. video games and all that kind of stuff. Things that, to me, which I'm, you know, frankly, not even that much quote of an old guy. I'm an older millennial mm-hmm. where that was stuff we were doing in college and mm-hmm. that was being introduced to us then, which is now for my kids being introduced to them at age five, six, seven and so it's happening earlier, but I think for parents, especially for my generation, it feels more justifiable because we under, roughly understand the technologies mm-hmm. and we see the communication wins. But what would you say is, what, are, what do parents miss in that? Because I think we, we justify that it's communication. For instance, well, he's playing video games with his buddies on a headset mm-hmm. or he's on social media talking with his friends on chat, that we see that as relational by nature because mm-hmm. the way culture shifted. Yes. But what are what what's missing in that kind of communication relationship? What what are the children actually being deprived of versus in person, normal, old school? You know, stuff? just like just like we are able now, and insurance will pay for counseling sessions online, mm-hmm. and you can get ninety percent accomplished. Mm-hmm. Um, but you miss the air in the room, mm-hmm. the vibe that someone is giving off. Uh, you're missing a lot of the the, the body non-verbals mm-hmm. that they're communicating with. Uh, you don't get any of that. Yep. Um, you know, communicating through social media. Mm-hmm. So there's a there's a really there's a there's a downside to this, and we haven't mentioned it yet. But one of the things that parents miss is now between seven and nine years old is the average age of first porn exposure. Mm-hmm. Seven and nine. Yep. And studies show that by age 10, uh, that young 10-year-old boy is now actively seeking Mm -hmm. pornography. Mm -hmm. And if parents are just 
not paying attention. Mm-hmm. Um, that's how it all starts. Yep. Yep. There was, um, and you talk about when I came and spoke out here, I don't know that I quoted this, but in 2019, a lady did a, uh, an op-ed in the Dallas Morning News, mm-hmm. and the title of the op-ed was, um, if rape porn can be accessed by sixth graders, then schools themselves has, have become a toxic environment. Mm-hmm. And this was from a mother who did everything right, mm-hmm. and yet her child, um, these boys came up to her, sixth grade, mm-hmm. and showed her that on their phone mm-hmm. and said, this is what we're going to do to you, and look how that lady mm-hmm. just loves it, look at that. Mm-hmm. And they did everything right. Mm-hmm. So just because you're doing everything right doesn't mean everyone else is. And if the average age of first exposure is seven, and you, you would always tell your parents, you know, your your child is not the designated driver, so quit it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. no, they're not. They're they're going there because they identify with those people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, uh, it's it is it is everywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, something like 80 something percent of young men under 30 under 20 no under 30 said uh that they view pornography weekly mm-hmm. over 80 mm-hmm. percent so it's everywhere mm-hmm. our parents want to think that that our child is not involved in that but they are yeah and um the um the the negative side effect of that and the the, the negative what we now know is actual brain change mm-hmm. um we don't even know how this is going to end up, but it yeah. doesn't look pretty. Well, I know one of the big pressures, too, because having sat in parent meetings and things like that, is this idea of digital natives, right? Like mm-hmm. where, well, if you, if because I think if, if you... If you, if you give any of those stats in a room full of parents, you're going to suck all the air out of the room, mm-hmm. right? And they're wondering, okay, what do I do? And I think the knee-jerk reaction is take away all technology, push them back into the, the dark ages or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but then on the other flip side of that, parents are nervous about, well, if I take away this access to information, is my kid going to fall behind? And so, you know, with, with that, kind of, if that is kind of one of the thought processes that rolls around mm-hmm. out there, how do you... How, how do y'all at the uh, Timothy Center begin guiding families, knowing, not not saying that this might be a problem, but that this right. is a problem, yeah. that this ship is headed right at an iceberg, and we need to pick a path here. Yeah. So how do how do y'all guide people in that? Well, we know that parents are always the last one to the technological party, mm-hmm. uh, and but that's kind of always been the case. Mm-hmm. When uh, I think. Model T's had been out over 10 years mm-hmm. before anyone said we need to put an age restriction on this. <laughs> no one put an age restriction on horses. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at some point they went, oh, wow, this is not, this is not good. Yeah. Uh, so that's kind of the way it is with this technology. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the help for parents is catching up. Yeah. And there's a, there is a company that's out of Austin uh, but it's it, it came from Israel mm-hmm. uh, called Canopy, and it is a new it is a new type of monitoring software mm-hmm. that can go basically on anything, and it has a an AI component to it, so it's not blocking a website. Mm-hmm. It's uh, if the AI interprets the uh, the pixels 
as they're approaching the screen, if mm. it interprets it as being inappropriate, it's, it doesn't make it to the screen. Wow. Hmm. Uh, so I don't care if you get around it, find a way, Google image, it, wouldn't, it doesn't matter if mm -hmm. it's inappropriate, it mm -hmm. doesn't come up wow. on the screen. Mm. And so things are getting better for parents that you can give your kid mm -hmm. something. Yeah. And that means you could, like um, Instagram, mm -hmm. an enormous purveyor of pornography. Mm -hmm. uh, Twitter, huge. Mm -hmm. So there's a way, Facebook as well. So there, there is a way now that, that technologically a kid can be allowed on these um, sites. Mm -hmm. But the thing that you're worried about them finding a way to access, even if they found the way to access, they wouldn't be able mm -hmm. to view it. Yeah. And I know also, uh, you know, uh, isn't it invention is the um, mother of nece or necessity is the mother yes. of invention. And so with that, I mean, I, I think one thing that parents will struggle with is they want that gold, that silver bullet. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I, I remember y'all doing a presentation back in 2010 or somewhere in that, that era, not 2010, it would have been like 2014, but talking about the rise of these uh, shadow apps that mm -hmm. were out there, like the calculator one that yes. uh, disappears, all the apps they're not supposed to have yes. on their phones and stuff like that. And so with that, pop, I mean, because it is, this does, the, can, the idea of canopy sounds like a really great tool. Mm -hmm. But outside of other technological tools to try to fight this, how, how else do y'all guide parents? Um, well, helping them in that regard is great mm -hmm. um, because it is something that they, they really, really fear. Mm -hmm. And what are we going to do? And you say, well, okay, here's a way that we can, we can do it. Mm -hmm. um, but so often these devices are such ready-made ready-made babysitters mm -hmm. um, that a lot of times we'll say, like we said in the, uh, in the book, we, that we don't think that kids should have this technology until they're 16. Mm -hmm. And we got so much pushback <laughs> on that. Yeah. Um, but uh, it's because they don't understand the danger mm -hmm. of it. They mm -hmm. see this technology as being benign. Mm -hmm. um, okay. I guess technically it is, but uh, it is such a dangerous world to enter mm -hmm. um, that parents just don't know it. Once they see mm -hmm. the dangers that are involved, mm -hmm. um, and again, Social Dilemma, yeah. that movie, mm -hmm. um, if you see that, it's like, oh, my Lord, I can't just throw this at them to get 10 minutes of peace and quiet. Mm -hmm. uh, I can't use this technology that way. Mm -hmm. And you always say, you know, good parenting is exhausting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, bad parenting, all you need is a lazy boy and a remote control, and you can be a bad parent. Yeah. <laughs> but to be good, it takes a lot of effort. I wonder, Jimmy, I mean, do you think parents, partly they can't see it, like you're saying, they don't see the problem there, but do you think, and maybe it's just the preacher in me, but do you think some parents don't want to see it because they've got the same problem? Because oh, I think I, from my vantage point, and, and I'm not counselor, I'm preacher, but the, using the example of even pornography and all mm -hmm. those things, I just assume most of the men I speak to are looking at yes. porn. Um, statistically, it's true. And so, so I assume that in the room, even in the church when I preach, that most of these men are probably mm -hmm. looking at porn. Mm -hmm. So if they're not even championing it in their own lives, how are they yes. going to champion that for their children? Yes. So I guess to me, that, that's my question, I guess, to you on the, on the counseling realm of, you know, you and the Timothy Center have solutions, and you can see the problem in the children. But I guess from my vantage point, if the parents won't fix the problem in themselves, how are they going to fix it in the kids? Mm -hmm. So how, how do you all attack that, I guess, just kind of holistically in the family 
Because do you see that as a commonality of porn, kids looking at porn, I'm not saying every parent is going to be looking at porn, but it wouldn't shock me if many of their dads were mm-hmm. or their moms. And so I guess how do you attack it from that vantage, from that perspective when it's it's just prevalent everywhere? Yes. Um, how do you deal with it when it really starts with the parents? Um, well, f- you know, first we really encourage people that we've got to change the way we just deal with sex education in, mm-hmm. in the Christian home. Because sex has been the great taboo. It's the Voldemort that which but not be named. Mm-hmm. And so we'll have, you know, we'll sit with our kids with popcorn and watch some Arnold Schwarzenegger blow people up and, you know, <laughs> Jack the Ripper. And isn't this exciting? If one half of one side view of one breast is exposed, we will lunge in front of that mm-hmm. child to cover their eyes. Mm-hmm. And, um, in doing so, we just inflame the desire to find out what this yeah. what this is. Yep. And so we're really setting our children up, specifically our young men, we're just on a platter for the porn industry. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas if we were dealing with what sex is and how God intended sex to be, mom and dad have sex, uh, it's great. Uh, but even right now, people who are listening to this are very uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. We're the church is still way too uncomfortable mm-hmm. to talk about. Just talk about it. Yeah. Um, if, if, and, and again, it's, it's this old thing, you know, I think Southern Baptist, we used to, you know, if we don't condemn it, we're condoning it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so we have this, um, uh, the way we've dealt with it anyway in our homes has just made the problem worse. Uh, our kids want to know what this is Mm -hmm. that mom and dad will not talk about. And so when some kid on a bus shows you a phone, yeah, there you go. Well, and even to illustrate it, like in my household this last week, I know some listeners, this might turn them off. I own guns. I I hunt deer, all that Mm -hmm. stuff, but I was cleaning my guns literally this week and and I clean my guns purposely in front of my kids. I Mm -hmm. let them see it, let them touch it, let them look at it, teach them what this is and and what it can do. Let them be fully aware of what a gun is and what it can do. I don't want any mystery in the house of them going looking for it. And and that's obviously just normal gun ownership. I'm not a genius. That's everybody. But that's from our from that that side it's like yeah we'll let them look at the gun see the mm-hmm. gun learn the gun touch the gun but at the same time we'll give them a loaded gun and a cell phone and just yes. have to walk away with it with really no instruction <laughs> not let them know any of the bullets that are in it yes. and any of the problems and it's i don't know it's just it's frustrating i guess that that is just the yes. world we live in that that we prepare our kids so well on so many things. But not this. But not perhaps the biggest thing yes. in many ways, the biggest thing. Big, biggest threat for yeah. sure. Yeah. I have a good friend, Julie Lyle's car, and she may not be the best example because they have eight kids, but still. <laughs> um, you know, they talked about, that was just part of their them discipling their children, yeah. which it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so they talked about what it is, and it's a wonderful gift of God, and this is why it is. And... Um, they made no qualms about mm-hmm. that they, as a husband and wife, you know, had sex. Mm-hmm. And they would put, I don't know what, but some, I forgot what it was, but something like, you know, if the room's rocking, don't yeah. come knocking or whatever <laughs> that is. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the kids would go, oh, come on, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> I got 30 minutes, so I got to get to soccer. <laughs> but that's, yeah. that's how they mm-hmm. 
handle it. And you, of all those eight kids, they're the most phenomenal eight kids you'll ever meet mm-hmm. in, in your life. Mm-hmm. But it takes parents that can, because they're carrying their own sexual baggage in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it's not a comfortable topic with them. Mm-hmm. One in three females have been sexually assaulted in their life. And so, you know, there's possibly mom, uh, over 60% uh, of all men are looking at pornography regularly. Mm-hmm. So that could certainly be dad. Mm-hmm. So you would, you would understand why they would not just want to be uh, open and yeah. above board yeah. uh, about what sex is. Because yeah. I would tell you that probably that guy would have been addicted to porn since he was a kid. So he's mm-hmm. never had an appropriate. Mm-hmm. And when we don't talk about it, we're agreeing with the pornographers that it's filthy yeah. and it's dirty. Mm-hmm. We're agreeing with their view of it mm-hmm. as opposed to that's. I would love a child to come out of my home and when they're shown this on the bus, go, well, that, I don't know what that is, but that's not sex. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, yeah. they know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They are fully aware of, mm-hmm. of what sex is, why it is, how it is. And so when they see that perversion of it, mm-hmm. uh, and, and it's like it's wonderful. And then they see sex portrayed as the exact opposite mm-hmm. of, of godly. Yeah. And it, it's, it's almost like a, a bank teller that counts so many real dollars mm-hmm. that a fake one really pops out at them. Mm-hmm. Yep. Same deal. They see it and they go, mm, no, not interested in that. Mm. I'm really interested in what mom and dad have going, but not this. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, it is, it is interesting that that's how often the, the enemy uses counterfeit to, to lead people astray. Sure. And, uh, and, uh, and I mean, it is that, that uh, draw of the, um, what do you call it, the forbidden fruit and all mm-hmm. that. Uh, and we're given, we're giving our children, like sex addiction is an intimacy disorder. Mm-hmm. It's, it's people who want intimacy but they're going about it mm-hmm. in all the worst possible ways mm-hmm. and so what our children are learning from that mm-hmm. type environment is that's we're se- as parents we are not overtly but we're selling this false intimacy mm-hmm. um, the objectification of pornography mm-hmm. you know where young men there was a study done at Princeton where they were the uh, the, the temporal lobe, they, which, which is the part of the brain that recognizes faces. Mm-hmm. And they showed all these pictures. Uh, these were of guys who had looked at porn consistently for mm-hmm. a, quite a time. Mm-hmm. Showed them the video or, or showed them the images. Some were of just people and then some were sexualized. Mm-hmm. And when they showed them just people, the temporal lobe would fire up, you know, to identify, is that male, is that female, you know, mm-hmm. Caucasian, whatever, it does what it does to identify a human face. When they showed the sexualized image, it didn't even turn on. Because mm-hmm. we've talked about forever, um, you know, oh, porn, objectification, but now neurobiology and imaging has caught up mm-hmm. and they can see objectification occur. Mm-hmm. That when they saw uh, a pornographic view of uh, of a female or a couple or whatever, the part of the brain that identifies human faces did not even engage. Mm, that's crazy. Uh, and you can't have a kid like that grow up, get married, and that just doesn't stop. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It does, and it makes a lot of sense of why it fuels so much sexual assault and oh, yeah. and lack of intimacy in marriage because it's mm-hmm. not a human relationship. It's a 
physical. It's a yeah. chemical transaction. Well, and the other aspect of it, at least it seems, is that it's also the cheapest drug in town. Where you oh, yeah. know it's become such a coping mechanism. Mm-hmm. I think for so many people, both within adulthood as well as teenagers, it's their it's their escape. It's, yes. You know, it's what they get away from, and you don't have to have a hookup somewhere or some money to buy this or that. It's it's all right there on your phone or your computer. Um, and I've had so many guys that would just say, can I please just go back to porn? Yeah. <laughs> as soon as another human being gets involved, this thing, thing just starts going down the toilet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, because it is. I mean, they've been taught from a very young age. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's a running joke, but it's true. Porn is perfect. Mm-hmm. It's the exact arousal template, pays off every single time, and then you add another human being in the room, mm-hmm. and it stops mm-hmm. being perfect instantaneously. Mm-hmm. And then when she doesn't meet the pornographic expectations that his brain has been trained to expect, Mm -hmm. then, hey, sister, you want to know why I'm back looking at porn? Mm. It's because of you. Mm. You You'd lose weight if you were more sexual. Mm -hmm. Because porn also ingrained in their brain um, uh, entitlement. Mm -hmm. I'm entitled to this. Mm. And if we're married, uh, I'm entitled for you to meet my... It's very, 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 very selfish mm-hmm. view of sexuality. Mm-hmm. And, but if we're going to have porn teach our kids, mm-hmm. which I think something like 75% of kids that actively look porn mm-hmm. said, yes, we use that to learn sex education, what mm-hmm. sex is. Mm-hmm. Um, they're <laughs> learning that from an industry that makes a living on fake orgasms, mm-hmm. which is yeah. a little weird that that's going to be your model. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. so... Uh, we've got to fundamentally, I guess, change the way as a family we address this issue Mm -hmm. to be much more open and honest about this Mm -hmm. because we're the one attaching shame to it because we won't, uh, you know, we don't say clean your, 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 your penis. We say clean your Mm boo-boo. It's like, we won't even, Hmm. It's so shameful those words yeah. can't come out of our mouth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I was... <laughs> okay, I'm going to tell the story anyway. So <laughs> I would always make up bedtime stories for the kids. Mm-hmm. And, and it was like, oh, there was, there was Sarah Doodle and Joshy Doodle and little Lindsay Doodle, and they lived by the forest and da-da-da-da-da-da. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until I was an adult, and I shared that someplace. Mm-hmm. And I think it was Josh that said, you know, you also, when we were little, called our privates doodles. <laughs> so That's a very <laughs> different kind of story. Oh, my God. Man, there you go. Oh. <laughs> but we do. I mean, yeah. we, it, 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 we're conveying that it's yeah. a shameful thing. Yeah. Um, way before porn ever gets involved at all. Porn just substantiates. Yeah. What we already started getting rolling. What would you advise just some practical things on that topic of the sexual realm for parents that will be listening to this? Mm-hmm. What What are some basic pointers or, or overviews you would give to them? So if the, the key is to have the conversation and have that open dialogue, what, what would you be, what would be some practical points within that of like, when do you start? How do you do it? How do you start the conversation? If somebody's listening yes. saying, hey, where do I go from here? There's a great say? book and I can't remember the author, but it's Good Pictures, Bad Pictures. Mm-hmm. And this lady did a great, I think it's Protect Young Minds is the website. Um, But she did a wonderful job in, and she says, as soon as we hand a toddler an iPad, Mm -hmm. as soon as a child can access the internet, that's when you have the talk. Mm -hmm. 
because that's when they're vulnerable almost no matter what you do. Yeah. That's when they're vulnerable. Yeah. So this lady presents this, hey, child, if you if this is what a good picture is and this is what a bad mm-hmm. picture is. And if you ever see a bad picture, here's what you do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And mom's involved. Hey, if your child ever sees a bad picture, mm-hmm. this is what they're going to do. Here's what you do. Mm. And so you take a lot of the shame mm-hmm. out of, well, I can't tell mom yeah. because this is dirty and yucky. Yeah. And that small child got that being dirty and yucky from mom and dad. Mm. Okay. If we want to connect dots. Mm. But you, this book is wonderful because it gives everyone a plan. You know, here's what we're going to do. And none of it involves shaming them. Mm-hmm. It's about, well, that's great. That's what happened. And you did exactly what you were supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And you just kind of move on down the line. Mm. So you start the, the conversation way earlier mm. than you would have ever thought you would need mm-hmm. to. Um, and again, uh, try as best you can to talk about it, mm-hmm. normalize it within the family mm-hmm. um, and obviously still being appropriate, but especially with young boys need to see dad sexually pursue mom. Mm-hmm. They need to see it. Um, otherwise the only romance they ever see is online or mm-hmm. on TV with models and these extremely beautiful. So again, something that's very sort of secondary, but in their head will, I guess those type of women are the only women that deserve mm. any type of pursuit. Mm. Yeah. Um, you know, as far as attraction goes, they need to see dad pursue mom. Mm-hmm. They need to know that dad sees mom not only as she's really pretty, but obviously when they're old enough to have, but they, you, you pursue her, say you find her hot, yeah. you know, kissing her on the back of the neck, slap her on the rear end when she's <laughs> doing dishes and let the children see that. Those are the exact things mm. we do not let mm. our children see. Yeah. Uh, and that's what they absolutely need. Oh, okay. You just made a lot of husbands real happy here. <laughs> you just gave a lot of license to some husbands You can send out there. the checks to yeah. 11754. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, that is one of those interesting things, too. Because, like, there have been times where I've told, I've told people to make sure in their marriage that they're they're making that they tell their ch- their children, hey, I, you know, I loved your mom first, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. like I chose her, yeah. and yeah. Uh, that and that making a, a large part of the difference. Well, so J- Jimmy, we're kind of getting down to the the edge of time here, um, but before we go, is there any um, any other uh, thoughts that you have? Any, any any other guidance that you would have for those who might be listening that are considering counseling or um, who may be terrified of, oh, I have a, a five-year-old kid. What am I going to do with, with this child over time? Any other like general advice or um, marching orders there from a licensed professional counselor? Well, I would say, you know, especially uh, with like heading into adolescence, you, you, it's been said that you parent a teenager when they're two. Mm-hmm. So you set things in motion when they're two. Mm-hmm. Uh, I always say, you know, your child needs their first job at age two. Um, Coal mines, right? (laughs) If they play with the toy, Mm. they put it back. Mm. If we let them play and then we go along behind them cleaning up their mess, Mm -hmm. I know it's more convenient to do that, but we're also creating entitlement Mm -hmm. in our kids. I'm, I'm floored at kids who families who the children do no chores whatsoever Mm. 
Well, their job is to go to school. <laughs> yeah. Um, or paying them to clean their room. Yeah. Nothing. Oh. Yeah. I just want to come up out of my chair with a parent. <laughs> it's like, I don't think mom gets 20 bucks for vacuuming the dining room. Why? You know, we do this because we're family. Yeah, and this I, is this is what we do. Mm-hmm. So starting very young and teaching um, respect mm-hmm. uh, and teaching boundaries, mm-hmm. uh, you know, early early on. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you if you kind of fight those battles, so to speak, or 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 establish those those important characteristics of who we are as a, as a person and as a believer early, mm-hmm. then boy, do you avoid things. Uh, when when you know it's time to fish or cut bait and they're 16. Yeah. Well, friends, uh, we are out of time for today. And Jimmy, thank you so much for this. Information. Absolutely. This, these are really these are really great things for us to be able to follow. And we do encourage y'all uh, if you're listening to this and are looking for more information or more guidance. Um, future pathways for mental health, check out timothycenter.com. That's a good way to get in touch with that counseling center and really would encourage you to check out the book, Fearless Parenting. And there's a lot of really, really good information there uh, for you to, to check out. So from for myself, Dr. Jimmy Myers, Jonathan Spencer, we're so glad that you joined us today for this is an ATX podcast. And we look forward to seeing you next time as we continue as we continue this series on ATX Neighbors. Take care.